Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Hey everyone, you can have a seat and uh, take off your mask, get some fresh air. I'll grab this very, very quickly. Can we just thank our team, the great job today? Joanna, proud of you, Joe. Thank you. It's, it's really grateful to, to see everybody kind of using their gifts. One of the real gifts of uh, being a leader or a pastor in a church, maybe you know this if you have a business or uh, you're a leader, just seeing people use their gifts and serve and grow. And, uh, you know, we are uh, excited too, especially if you're, if you're here for the first time, maybe you're tuning in for the first time, somebody shared the link, you're like, oh, what is this church stuff? I'm not into church, and it's weird, and you're just maybe exploring faith and uh, trying to understand what it means to trust God, to read your Bible better, to grow. We are actually starting a new teaching series, and we often do this. We, we kind of do a teaching series to help us focus on some important things in the Bible. And this morning we're starting a new teaching series and I thought about this as we think about the summer. I mean, the summer is getting real, more real, right? You know, how will you kind of describe the summer of 2021 to your grandchildren? <laughs> how would you ever describe the summer of 2021 to someone 10 years from now? What will you say about this summer? Huh? We, we almost didn't make it. I don't know what you would say, right? For me, it's going to be, you know, one of the things I thought, it's going to be this summer that the Canadians won the Stanley Cup when we beat the Maple Leafs. It, it was the feeling that we won the Stanley Cup, right, Cheryl? Amen, Cheryl knows. Came to the right church, Cheryl. Uh, <laughs> you know, some of you are going to remember the summer of 2021 as, as the year that Italy loses in the Euro, you know? Wow, wow. Commitments. Didn't we just say it's all about Jesus like two seconds ago? <laughs> Some of you are just going to remember the summer of 2021 as a time where uh, you really doubted Jesus. Some of you are going to remember this summer as a time where you really realized your marriage is on shaky ground. Some of you are going to realize the summer of 2021 was a summer where Jesus was calling you to go deeper. I want to just encourage you that whatever you're going to say about summer of 2021 that I would be able to add just one thing to your list. That the summer of 2021 will forever be in your calendar as a summer that you took spiritual maturity seriously. Write that down somewhere. When you tell your grandchildren about this summer, when you tell your friends about this summer, you tell them this was the summer that I started to rethink what it means to be mature and a spiritual mature Christian who loves Jesus. That I did that. Now, all of us have times when we're doing that. Maybe you feel like your, your faith in Jesus is deep and rooted, and you, you're, kind of, you're in a wonderful place in your relationship with God. But all of us get a chance to return back to that place where we think about what it means that Jesus really needs to be the center of everything that we do. 
And I know this happened to me. It might happen to you. You're watching online. You're still kind of new to all this Christianity. Jesus is kind of weird, right? To really have Jesus at the center. That means that Jesus orients, helps us make decisions. We think about what it means to be people of faith, not just on a Sunday morning, but throughout the week. That everything that we do is shaped by this love that not only that we have for Jesus, but that Jesus has for us. We do that with our kids. We do that with our friends. They, they can tell something is interesting here because Jesus, this Jesus, seems to be at the center of everything that you do. Your dreams, your passions, the things you talk to your kids about, the things you value, the things you celebrate. It's easy for it to be other things, but to be a Christian, to be someone who worships Jesus, is to say, well, wait a second, there are other options, but Jesus will be the center. And the Bible talks about this idea by inviting us to see ourselves as those who are becoming more mature every day. We are maturing and growing. The word mature is a very tricky word in the Bible. So, you know, we're going to rethink the idea of maturity. Just think of the word maturity for you. Like, what comes to mind when you think of maturity? In your own mind. How many of you are honest? Do you think of someone who's older? It's, fair, it's pretty much like a trigger word. Like someone who's mature, someone who's older. I know many people who are older who are not mature at all. But it is that way, you know? It's a trigger. The word mature in the biblical sense means to make ripe. It's for a fruit to get ripe. Okay, it's that image of a fruit, right? And we all know that a fruit, when it becomes mature, it's at the, its best place. You eat it, it's the juiciest, it's perfect to be used. And if it doesn't get, a, if it doesn't get used at that point, a fruit that's, that becomes really, really ripe then becomes rotten. The Bible invites us to think about maturity a little bit in that way. That maturity is us being those who enter this place to want to be at the place where God uses us for His glory and we want to grow in a way that our lives reflect Jesus being the center. The Bible will use the word maturity. I think of a lot of things and I think of so many different cultures in our church and people that I know. Different cultures have images of maturity, of what that looks like. You know, when I was growing up, someone who's mature is someone who had a bank account. Right? Now, now you're mature. I grew up in a home that mature means get a job. Okay? I, I have to be honest, confession moment, I do that with my kids sometimes. I'm trying to help them think about maturity in a deeper way, but what I say to them, they're like, Dad, can we buy something for, you know, our backyard? And I'm like, get a job. That's what I said. Then you can buy it. No, but we have these funny ways of how we define what it means to be a mature person. Get married. Then you'll know. And not only that, we live in a culture where there's all these proverbs about maturity. Like I heard growing up, you know, all kinds of silly things uh, my parents used to say to me and grandparents. And some of them are really, really helpful. There's like a little bit of wisdom, but some of them are ridiculous, right? You know, they're just about like, yo, when you have kids, you'll know what it's like to be really mature. I'm like, what, what if I want to be single? Like, I can never be mature? Like, that means Jesus was never mature. It's like ridiculous stuff, right? So, it, it, but it's like uh, funny things we just say, we just say, right? But in this series... We're going to talk about how the Bible invites us to think about maturity. And we're going to do that by looking at the fruit of the Spirit. The, the ways that the Bible invites us to pay attention to the interior part of our lives. One day Jesus gets a chance to talk about this topic and he's preaching to, to people. And he, he, he gives this parable, this amazing parable, about what it means to hear him preach, to hear about the love of God, to hear the good news. The Bible calls it the good news, that God loves us before we love him, right? To hear this. And then for this good news to hear it, for it to start taking root in our heart. And what happens? And Jesus is teaching about this, and he says this really cryptic parable. And as part of the parable, he talks about people who hear this good news, but it never takes root. And it never grows. And they never mature. 
And at one point, Jesus says something that's really, really offensive. This is what he says. He talks about interpreting that parable. He says, the seed, which is this good news, that fell among the thorns, stands for those who hear, who hear of this good news, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. No one in this room for sure, okay? And they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and, and by preserving, produce a crop. Jesus says that. How many of you would be offended? I would be so offended. Yeah, who is this 30-year-old single rabbi telling us about maturity? What does he know? He's like, you don't think I know, huh? And he gives this beautiful parable. Jesus loves to use parables because it confuses everybody. And if you really want to know what they mean, you have to keep following him. You know, most of us wouldn't make it. We'd be like, oh, it's too long. Well, it's going to be hot. I'm not even going. Forget that. Right. Trust me, it would have been rough. This is kind of easy. <laughs> but at the core, maybe as we begin, let me just define maturity as a gift. Spiritual maturity in the Bible is a gift that teaches us to be people who are not shaped by the world. That's at the heart of what spiritual maturity does. It's that we hear what God calls us to. We're growing in this goodness as it flows out of us. And Jesus says, when, they, when a person becomes mature, the pleasures, the struggles, the things of this world, all kinds of things, they become so secondary to who we are. And if we're not careful, this gift of being spiritually mature is something we kind of minimize. I was thinking about what to call the sermon and how to think about the sermon, and I, talked, I wanted to, to kind of begin this series by talking about the consequences of immaturity. The consequences of immaturity, Jesus says, is to be someone who can hear good news, who can be part of church, who can, you know, I've been to church my whole life, all this stuff, but nothing grows out of your life. No spiritual fruit emerges from who you are. Why, Jesus says, because there's times where you hear something, it sounds really, really great, but then you realize all the pressures and the things of this world and all the things that I desire and the things that I want, the things I hope my kids do, they all kind of take up the spot of this place where Jesus says, hey, those are secondary things. That one who hears me now and receives this is a person who lets this now grow in them and something grows out of them as this fruit, a life that is fruitful, Jesus will say. And throughout the series... We're going to kind of move in that direction. We're going to help you to think about what areas of your life maybe you need to pay attention to in a new way. Areas in your life that require a new focus of spiritual maturity. If you can do that this summer, if you can just begin and say, this is the summer I'm going to do that, you're already taking a step into wanting to be spiritually mature. Just by doing that. I'm just saying, God, make me a person that pays attention to how the goodness in my life, the, your love is now making me a different kind of person. And now as I learn to trust you as this different kind of person, the ways of the world lose their grip on me and fruit emerges out of who I am. This fruitful life begins to overflow into other parts of my life. And so I want to do this this morning as we think about this idea of maturity. Remember, not just about being older. It's not just about like some wisdom. All that stuff is good stuff, you know. But it, Jesus defines maturity in a deeper way. And as you stick with us in this series, I'm going to encourage you to think about this. That at every phase of our spiritual life, we need to pay attention to whether we're becoming spiritually mature. One of the things that I've had to learn in my life that's helped me with this is the areas in my life where I've been maybe the most immature in are the areas in my life that where I get offended. This happens to me. When people offend you and you get offended by stuff, 
It's usually an indication that maybe there's a space for you to grow in maturity. Somebody says something, and instead of you kind of, you know, just letting it go or gently kind of correcting, you, you hold on to it. You remember. Any of you have good memories? Yeah? You have your phone in case. Just put it in. The day. The day they said that to me at church. Huh? I don't want to sit. Don't to tell the host. Don't put me near them. I don't want to sit near them. They're kids. Oh, they're kids. Let me tell you. But that doesn't happen here. But other people, you know, other churches do this stuff. This sense we have. <laughs> Janine is trained perfectly. Amen. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, but one of the things we're going to do just to help, just to help us together, to say, let's think about spiritual maturity in the context of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. That maturity is not just something we do on our own. It's not like we wake up and say, today I'm just going to be mature. It's something that is at work in us by the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways we notice when we need the help of the Spirit the most is when we feel unique pressure in our life. Seasons of intense stress, seasons where we're wondering, God, where are you? Seasons when we stop praying, seasons where we're not growing. There's a reflection of time where we need to kind of, yeah, it's broken, thanks, bro. The best, thanks, bro. I was kind of always falling down. I was like, what's up? I didn't gain that much weight. Okay, anyway. Some of you got that. Hey, if you're at home, what's up? Okay, so, so I, I want to talk about this idea that to understand areas in our life that maybe need our attention in any way requires to pay attention to when we feel certain kinds of pressures. There's a, there's a church in the Bible in the first century. They're experiencing incredible pressure. This church is probably at the point of having a split, fighting about the pastor, fighting about the finances, fighting about all this stuff. And this church is found in a place called Galatia. Okay? The church in the Galatians... Uh, the, the church to the Galatians is this church that is struggling in so many intense ways. And it's to this church that Paul says that I want you to see yourself as people who are becoming mature in the way the Spirit is doing something new. The Spirit is growing you fruit through your life. And they're not having it. They're like, ah, whatever. I hate those people. This is kind of weird. Now, if you're taking notes, maybe you're new to Christianity, you're still learning. The book, the letter to the Galatians is probably the first letter in all of the New Testament. Okay? It's the first letter we have in the New Testament. Now, it's not in the order if you open your Bible and read it that way, but it's the first one that was probably written in the New Testament. And the reason for this, we know that Paul is writing to churches who he's aware of are having some struggles. And so this letter goes to a church, and it comes from Paul. And in this letter, Paul says this beautiful thing. I want to read it for you. This is what he says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And it says, Paul's like, these go above any law that we could ever put in place. We almost can't make you be these kinds of people. You have to want the Spirit to really do something deep in you. That the Holy Spirit produces something in us that as we live, these types of things overflow out of our lives. So look at this list. How are you doing with these things? Maybe for some of you, one stands out. Where you're like, you know, I'm not... The patient one for me is always a little bit... I'm like, can we just... Maybe it's a different word. I look it up in a different language. Maybe it means something else that I could ignore. (laughs) Kindness. Wow. For the next few weeks, every Sunday... As we learn in worship, we're going to go through one of these together and ask ourselves, how is the maturity that God's called us to, how is it seen through these kinds of 
values, practices, characteristics in our lives. That, by the way, the Holy Spirit is producing in us. The Holy Spirit is like, hey, 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 today we're going to pay attention to kindness. And there's a moment where you have to be kind. And you're like, ah! And you, the Holy Spirit's like, remember, I'm producing this new life in you, new way in you. Remember, the church in Galatia is having incredible tension. They're fighting. You know how hard it would have been to do these things with people you hate? To practice these kinds of things? So one of the things I want to say about this, it's, it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Just remember that. It's really important. I know there's multiple, but the idea is that all of them come from one tree. The root is the same. The expressions are different. So the first thing we understand is that Paul's saying that there's a fruit that is the fruit of the Spirit in which all of these things grow from. And this church in Galatia, this church that we read about, you can read the whole, encourage you to read the whole letter. It's difficult at times to understand. But they're fighting about like what it means that people who don't understand Jesus and the Jewish law and they're not following the right way and there's all these tensions. And Paul's like, listen, listen, let's just go back to some basic things. You need to be people who are committed to letting the Holy Spirit make you these kinds of people. So one of the things I want you to think about is how important this is for us. If only we had a crisis a time of stress to see whether we're good at these things. If only we could have like a global pandemic happen and then we could really see how we're doing. If only. Maybe the gift that we've been given for summer 2021 is that God's like, you've seen how people act under intense pressure, intense stress. People who claim to be mature, people who claim to love God, people who claim to be Christians. People, and just think about, for all of us, God, how are these things being shaped in me, being formed in me, overflowing out of me so my kids or my friends or people that see me recognize something in me? Now, can you just do one thing for me as, just to think about as we begin this morning? I want you to think of someone that you know, okay? Just think in your mind, that does not believe in Jesus at all. Not a Christian, atheist, doesn't care, church is weird, whatever, Christians are weird, I'm done with that, who practice some of these things even better than Christians that you know. Just think about them. I have a lot of people, by the way, on my list. This is really important because that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about somebody that you know that's just kind. We're not talking about your friend who's great at fitness and dieting and has good self-control. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about these gifts. That are, these are the things the Holy Spirit is producing in us. The Holy Spirit produces these in us because in producing them in us, we become people who point others to Jesus and the cross. See the difference? I meet people all the time who don't get that. They're like, you know, I don't really, I'm not into church or religion, and I'm nicer than most people. They're hypocrites. I'm just kind. That's fine. It's true. I have a list, too, of a lot of people that are kind and gentle and all these things. But spiritual maturity in the Bible is being those who are shaped by these, this kind of way of life so that people understand the love of Jesus. And what it means to be those who embrace and trust Jesus in a deeper way. I, I'm going to say this at the beginning of the series. Some of you might get offended and, you know, you might, whatever, feel like, oh, this is not for you. But let me just say this really, really clearly. Like, I've realized, maybe it's a prophetic thing. You can feel like whatever about it. I've realized that the most dangerous, dangerous thing for the church of Jesus in the 21st century are Christians who don't commit to becoming mature. It is more dangerous than atheism. It is more dangerous than secularism. It is more dangerous than all the things you can imagine. To be those who say we are Christians 
and to not commit daily to grow in what it means to be spiritually mature. It's the most dangerous thing. And it can happen to all of us that we can miss the chance to say, Jesus, you will ask us if our lives were bearing fruit so that others would understand your love and what you did on the cross. That's what it means. And if we miss this, we will think, and I hear people say this all the time, well, I'm just a good person. Why do I have to come to church? Because it's not about you being a good person. It's about you understanding that there's a goodness that points people to the cross. It's about you understanding that there's a kindness that points people to the cross. That's the difference. Without the cross, you just have people just being nice people. And you can do that, by the way. Be a nice person. Like, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But this is different. That's why Paul will say this type of fruit has to be produced in you by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's primary task is to, to remind us about Jesus. Right? It's kind of pretty simple that way. Years ago, I thought about this, and I thought about this for our church, and we actually did a whole class on this called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality to think about spiritual faith. And I was going through a time where I left the church in a very bad place, and I wasn't sure I was ready to lead. And I'm like, God, like, I need help to, to grow in my faith. And there's a quote that, you know, I, I want to read from you, and it comes from the writer of this book. Uh, his name is Pete Scazzaro. Some of you have been to the class, and I'll just read it for you. He says this in this book. He talks about somebody at his church who talked to him about this. He says, I was a Christian for 22 years. But instead of being a 22-year-old Christian, I was a one-year-old Christian 22 times. This is the crisis of the church today. This is it right here. That people can think that because they've been around longer, they've somehow become more spiritually mature. This is something all of us, all of us need to commit to. Because remember, the summer of 2021 will be a summer we took spiritually maturity more seriously to grow. Now, if you haven't read this book, if you've never read Emotionally Spirituality, I want to encourage you, you can pick it up in the summer, you want to read it something in the summer. In the fall or probably in the winter, we're going to do this course again at the church. The first time you do this course, it's so disorienting that you don't even know what's happening to you because you're dealing with, with some deep stuff. But some of you, maybe you're ready. I know I needed time in my life where I'm like, God, you need to help me grow in this area. So much is at stake if I don't learn to do this. So much is at stake in my own life for the kind of person I'm going to become. So let's begin just with the first gift, this first fruit, sorry, of the Spirit. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Love, wow. Let's start with an easy one. Love. It's, it's such a beautiful thing. You know why love is so beautiful? Because it can mean anything to anybody. I say I love my wife, and I could say I love my car, and I could say I love my dog, and I can say I love anything. Love means almost anything people want it to mean. Actually, many people today, love is just how you feel. You get up one day, like, I love the weather. It's sunny. So then I don't love this, right? So love in our culture becomes sentimentality, just how the day is going to go. You know, I visited England a few years ago, and I was sad every day because it rained. I was like, if I lived here, I would never, like, be joyful. I'd be like, I can't be a Christian in England. How are there Christians in England? You know? <laughs> You know, I'm kidding. If you're watching from England, it's jokes. So it's just this idea that love becomes a lot of different things. It means a lot of different things to people. But what does it mean that the Holy Spirit is producing a certain kind of love in you? And me. And it's the kind of love, remember, that we see and we feel and we sense when we watch Jesus. When we see how he acts, 
how he speaks, how he teaches, how he cares, how he prays. Paul tells us, let's begin with love as kind of a foundation. So I want to give you another word to help you understand. That the love that Paul is going to talk about that the Spirit has to produce in us is a love that's meant to help us understand that we are set free. Okay? There's a lot of ways to use love if you're immature. Immature people know how to love as well. There's a way of loving to hope to get something back. There was a way of using love to trick somebody to get something. There's a way of pretending to care and to kind of want to kind of feel like, I, I want to love, but I'm not there yet. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the kind of love that is produced in us that sets us free from all the pressures to be different kinds of lovers. Say it that way. And Paul will say this in this, the same letter to the Galatians. He'll say this. Let me just help you understand this idea. He says this, for you have been called to live in freedom. There's this love that set you free now. My brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. What? This is amazing that all of us have been set free for others. How different is that than how we think of freedom today in our culture? Freedom today means you don't get to tell me what to do. Right? That's what freedom means. Freedom in the Bible means Jesus gets to tell me what to do. It's so different. And Paul says, listen, the Spirit is producing in you this kind of love that comes from the fact that you have been set free. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't feel set free. You need to be reminded that the things of this world, the pressures, the desires, the things of our sinful nature that are always creeping up, to remind us, oh, God doesn't really love you. I know what you've been doing. I know how you speak. I know the stuff you say. I know you spend your money. You can pretend at church. All those things you hear. This morning, would you just hear that Jesus says, I'm setting you free now. Just be set free. That means that God loves us before we feel lovable. Let me say that again. That means God loves you and I before you and I feel lovable. I've met so many people in my life as a pastor, people who can't understand this love because they don't feel lovable. They've done too many bad things and they continue to make mistakes and they're like, well, maybe when I'm, I'm better, like maybe when I'm, I, I do the right thing, maybe I'll, maybe I'll come to church then. I'm like, you're never going to be ready for that. Never. There's days in each of our lives when we don't feel lovable. We didn't respond the way we should have. The gift did this fruit of the Spirit in us is not really at the surface. It's secondary. And, we have a, and in that moment, Paul says to us, there's a freedom in the fact that you are loved. You are loved. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you're listening to this and you're still wondering about what it means to say yes to Jesus, it's to just receive the fact that you're loved before you could love him. That's the beginning of the whole story of Jesus, that you are loved before you can love him. And you just kind of receive that. This is the kind of stuff that God calls us to, to this kind of deep maturity that is shaped by love. Now, I want to show you something really important. I, I know some of you are like, Sunday morning, I'm a bit tired, I'm, not, I'm just back to church. We're just going to go just a little bit deeper, okay? Now, some of you are like, your head hurts already, you could just doze off. We'll call you in five minutes, okay? Some of you already have, I know, I could see now. You don't have masks, it gets a bit easier now. Okay, so... <laughs> I want to just help you understand how important this was for the earliest Christians. 
And I want to show you about all the different ways that people understood love in the Bible. Forget about our world. Our world is different too. A lot of love. But in the Bible, there were so many different words for love. And I just have a slide for you so you can see them. In the biblical world, there were five Greek words for love. Some of them you know because we use them in English, right? Storge, storge is, is the kind of love that's a family love, okay? It's a familial, it's a love that you have for your, for your, for your family members, okay? Philia, where we get Philadelphia from, is brotherly or friendship love. You know, isn't Philadelphia's tagline like, there you go, city of brotherly love. It comes from that word, okay? Greek word. Epithumia is the word that we use for like. Facebook, like, 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 like. If you really want to move to the next level, what do you use? You use a heart, okay? But like is the word. Like, I kind of like this, and if you're not careful, you say like and love, and you mean the same thing. They're not the same thing. They're not the same thing. If I went up to my wife on our anniversary and said, "Han, I like you a lot. She'd be like, what the heck are you talking about? Right? She, she know it's different. Like, there's a different kind of love that's expected. And in the ancient world, people know this. Eros is the kind of love that, you know, that one sells the best. We get the word erotic from it, right? This romantic, intense, la passion. It's for Willie. Willie, that's for you. Spain, they went down, bro. They went down. Okay, so, <laughs> okay. so you have these moments where you think about all the ways that our culture in the biblical times and even today think of love. And in all of these words, Christians will pick one unique word to talk about the love of God. They'll use agape. Agape is the word for love that is selfless love. It's a love that you can never earn. That means you can never lose it. It's the way God loves us even when we don't know how this connects and how to grow and how to trust Him. Because the fruit of the Spirit is making us mature as we live lives that point other people to the cross. Understand? That it's the kind of love, this agape love, that they saw in Jesus. When he was around, they're like, hmm, if we have to tell people about Jesus, what word should we use? We're like, agape. Agape is the word. Let's use that one. And John, closest follower of Jesus, will use agape the most. He'll use it as the word that this is the word. When you think about Jesus, think of this. Now think of how offended people would be as they started to follow Jesus and they started to love their family less. They started to love their friends less. It started to change how they acted in the context of sexuality and intimacy. That the love that they saw in Jesus redefined all these other loves. It changed everything. You know, this is something that was hard for me to understand in my own culture. You know, when I was first becoming a Christian and I was learning how to be a Christian, I remember that Sunday mornings, uh, Sunday mornings I would go to church and after that, I would go home and have a meal with my family. It was a practice in our home, right? And as I started to understand my faith and I started to grow with other Christians, I realized, you know, sometimes instead of going to have a meal with my family, I needed to kind of be with a person who was new at the church or encourage someone who was struggling or take someone else out for a meal because they, they needed to talk, right? And I remember I would go back home and my family would be offended. They'd be like, well, where were you? I'm like, I was with somebody. They're like, yeah, but it's the family. You know, it's, it's the saying that means I'm going to kill you <laughs> in, in just a loving way. It's, it's a cultural view. It's the first kind of love. It's a family love, which is beautiful. And I realized how offensive it was in my culture to say there is another love that is shaping me that is about to override this love here. The disciples would have been like, wait, wait, Jesus told us about this. He told us that there's times when we're going to have to hate our family. Ah, okay. This is what he meant. Now, by the way, it doesn't mean hate your family. 
He meant that you're going to feel that this love I'm calling you to overrides and redefines all the other loves in your life. All of them. The agape love redefines every other love that are good things. Some of the other things that we love are wonderful gifts from God. But to be a Christian and to understand this maturity is to say, God, make us into these kinds of people. And I, I love this, this idea that in the letter to the Galatians, Paul's going to use this word again. In this one, he says it the most profound way. I'm going to read this verse when it transition to communion. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved, who agape, the word, who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. Can you take a minute and read this quietly? Maybe you're watching online and you're listening to this. And instead of the word I, just say your name. Just say your name in your mind. Dom has been crucified with Christ. You, you've been crucified with Christ. That because we've been crucified with Christ, we want to be those who love the way Christ loved. It's so great to read about other people sacrificing and being crucified with Christ. But when you put your name there to say, I'm learning what it means to be crucified with Christ. This is one of the, the first steps to embracing what it means to be spiritually mature. To be someone who now lives out of a place to want to love others in such a way that they see this love being produced in us by the Holy Spirit so that they love Jesus who went to the cross for us. This is the, this is the picture. We're going to take a minute and we're going to celebrate communion together. And I'm going to just encourage you that if you're not at that place where you could say this yet, that maybe you're not ready to take communion today. If you're not wanting to grow into such a way where you have given yourself over to understand this love and to realize that now the life that I live, that Dom lives now, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me, that maybe... It's just a time to reflect on where you're at. I think about the way that our culture invites us to love so many other things. And I think about Jesus talking to his disciples, saying, you're going to forget to do this, by the way. You're going to get tired. You're going to get busy. You're going to have all kinds of other things you love. You're going to live in the world technology. It's going to be a while. And so he says, you know what? To help you never forget this, you're going to have a meal. This meal is always going to remind you of this. This meal is always going to be this sacred time where you remember that out of all the other understandings of love we could have picked, this is the kind of love we saw in Jesus our Lord. This is it. So in a few minutes, we're going to come and take communion. I'm going to invite the team to come up. They're going to lead us in. You know, this is the first time we, we take communion together like this since the pandemic started. And we are thinking about how do we do it in a way that's safe. And, and yet, how do we do it in a way where you have to respond to what Jesus is calling you to? It's so much easier if we just give it to you at the door, right? Here, just, we thought, no, no, no. There, there's a response that is connected to us saying, Jesus, I need you to wash my feet. I need you to form this kind of love in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. I need you to help me to care about maturity in a way I never did before. So what we've done with your chairs is we put you just in three sections. If you're watching online, maybe you want to get a cup and a cracker in a minute and 
celebrate together. And we're going to give each section a chance to just get up and come and take the cup and the juice and take it back to your seat. And we're going to give you just some quiet time to reflect about what this means for you. You know, in the book that I mentioned on emotional spirituality and emotional health, there's this beautiful image about how the cross takes us from being immature and selfish people to making us spiritually mature and selfless people. The cross does this in us. And there's an image, you can go to the slide, and this is the image, I just want to leave it on the screen while you're coming up and while you're praying about the kinds of things that God wants to do for us as we think about the brokenness and the sinfulness of our lives and what it means to experience wholeness. I don't know which, which of these stand out to you. There was a time in my life where isolation was a big one for me. It's when you left alone. It's none of your business. I'm going to do what I want. And God was calling me to kind of a new sense of community and friendship. Maybe for some of you it's anger. Anger has gripped your heart. And you're like, there's this fruit of the Spirit that the Spirit is producing in us. I'm going to leave this slide up there. You can see it. Look at it. Just pray. Say, God, so many things I need to think about. And maybe as one stands out, you can just slow down and pray. As you come up, I'm going to invite you to take the cup again and just hold it with you at your seat. We're going to take it all together. And we've also started to transition back into feeling a little bit normal where we have just some people from our prayer team here. Maybe you're here and you're like, before I can do this, I need to pray with someone. I just need to talk to someone. You don't even have to say what you need prayer for, but you just need someone to pray with you. It's just a private space right over here with some people from our church that we trust, love Jesus, are part of our prayer team online. They'd love to pray with you. Jesus is calling us to grow in maturity. And it begins with love. So I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to begin with this section in a little while. You can come up as you feel led. As you come up, I want you to think that you're coming up and Jesus is saying to you, each of us, I can't wait to wash your feet so I can remind you of how much I love you. So I can remind you of the kind of person that you're going to become now because of my love. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, you love to make us like Jesus our Lord. You love to take broken things and make them new. You love to heal the darkest and most painful areas of our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the way that you come to produce fruit in us. As we come to the table today, help us to recommit to this understanding of spiritual maturity that bears much fruit. For this pleases you. May we not be those who grieve you in any way by thinking that we can have you on our terms. But as we come to this table and before we partake, would you search us, each of us, 
make it clear about the things we need to ask for repentance about, and the things you're calling us to. Because these are the things that Jesus says to us as he washes our feet. It's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Hey, as you feel led, this section could come up first, and when you're done, we'll let this next section go, okay, and then we'll let the last section go. It's a great time. You're not going to have another time this week to slow down like this, to maybe reflect. So for the next few minutes, it's kind of a sacred time for us to do this. Let's be mindful if we're moving, restrictions. In a few minutes, I'll come up and I'll lead us in communion from the floor. Okay, come as you feel led. I miss uh, seeing you respond to what Jesus is saying to you. It's nice to see many of you come. How many of you noticed that I spelled the word storge storage on the slide? It's a chance for you to practice forgiveness. Some of you are ready, huh? Can't wait to tell them I was listening. I didn't fall asleep at that part. You know, there was someone at that meal that Jesus had with his disciples who had fallen in love with the ways of this world. He had heard heard the good news. He had seen the good news in the flesh, but he did not commit to becoming mature. His name is Judas. A reminder to all of us that we can hear Jesus watch him, sense his power, and yet have the pleasures, the riches, and the ways of this world. Make us think that being spiritually mature is not important. One of the greatest consequences of us not taking spiritually maturity seriously is that we minimize the power of the cross. And we minimize what it means that we are formed by the Spirit to point others to the cross. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, talked about Moses and the Passover and God's faithfulness, and he broke it. And he said, hey, by the way, by the way, before you take it, let's add one more meaning to the story. That from this day on, This meal will be about me. You'll see it on the screen. David said this. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, Moses was great, but I'm greater. Can you imagine? This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take it together now. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you drink it, For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again.
Let's take a cup together. You know, if you, if you feel led, you felt led to take communion with us, you're watching online, and you understand that Jesus is calling you to this deeper place of commitment, and you're still not baptized, guess what awaits you next? Being baptized as a public confession that you want the fruit of this Holy Spirit to flow out of you. One of the things I miss the most about COVID is that we can't kiss one another. I said this to our leaders earlier, that one of the signs of being part of the church was that Christians greeted each other with a kiss. They did this as a reminder that it was a kiss that led Jesus to being betrayed. They did this as a reminder that the cross is redeeming even a kiss. A kiss of betrayal could not destroy the kiss of God's love for us could not. May we all together commit, if you're here watching online, listening on a podcast, to remind others that the summer of 2021 was the summer we took spiritual maturity seriously so that the fruit of the Spirit would flow out of us and we would see God at work in a new way. Let's just stand as we close. Let me pray for us. Holy Father, thank you for sending Jesus the Son. And Holy Spirit, thank you for reminding us of everything that Jesus did for us. And that you are the only one who can form us into people who live like he called us to live. We want to affirm again today that we are those who want to love you, Jesus, and to love like you. And that as we go through this summer, we pray that the fruit of the Spirit these different ways of living and acting and being would flow out of us so that others would understand the cross and the resurrection. This week, protect us from the things of this world that will invite us to have other things at the center of our lives. We affirm again together that Jesus, you are the center and that it's because of you that we can experience freedom and life and that we can trust the work of the Spirit in us now. May you be glorified in the way we live, the way we speak, the way we act. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen.